This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield, your tactics and analytics podcast, courtesy of the Blood Red channel. I'm joined by David Hughes as always. Dave, any new updates this week or do you sound as usual? Yeah, sound as usual, mate. Uh, short and sweet. All, all is fine in my camp. Hopefully it is in yours. All is fine, but you are injured this week alongside me. Yeah, I am actually, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it, it must be contagious. But yeah, and no, I picked up a little knock playing last week. Uh, hopefully it's not too serious. Um, I don't know if people care to know that, but they know anyway. <laughs> Listen, this is important, mate. First yeah. team is here. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so today's episode, we're going to uh, stick with a bit of a, a New Year theme. Um, obviously, long-term listeners to the show will, will know how Analyzing Anfield usually works. We are usually very much game-focused, uh, reviewing and previewing games. Um, but I think just because we've been gone for so long, just a bit of a new approach for the new year, I suppose, rather than looking at specific games and going about it very methodically. We're going to be a bit more scattergun maybe with our talking points and, and look at general overview topics, uh, overriding themes for, for each episode, see how we go with it. If you want us to change back, do let us know. Um, but I think, yeah, we're just going to touch upon upon talking points on the Liverpool scene, um, as we have been doing for the past few episodes. So, first up this week, Dave, I was going to mention this last week because it was kind of last week's news but we didn't really have time but Liverpool got linked with Adeline Chouameni um, in the the Athletic I think it was and it was David Ornstein so pretty credible I think he was the first on to Liverpool's links with Canate um, and obviously that ended up coming through um, I think he is a player that we've mentioned but were you surprised at that one? I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember if we mentioned them or if somebody asked us to speak about them. It was one of the two. Um, was a surprise. Uh, I don't know. But the reason I say I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised uh, is because you know there's a lot of hype around the play, and it's kind of understandable as, as to why. You know, he's only 21. Um, really impressive first season in Liga and last year. Um, I was actually looking to the numbers, and he played something like 36 times. Which you know we think for what he would have been nineteen twenty that season you know that's quite impressive for the for the you know a top French side as well um, and you know in, in terms of a profile you know we just look at it from a profile point of view as opposed to necessarily Liverpool for a second um, you know he's he looks really good you know he's got a really good physical profile he's uh, seems to read read the game really well. Uh, admittedly, I've only seen him a few times. Um, I'm kind of relying on what I've looked at on the likes of, you know, White Scouts and, and, and sorts and clips-wise. But um, he seems to read the game really well, um, really strong in duels, both on the floor and in the air. Um, but also seems to be fairly good technically as well. You know, quite press-resistant, good in tight spaces. Um, a little bit of a kind of full package, so it's easy to see why... Why you know a top club like Liverpool would be would be interested? Um, just whether I don't know, Josh. Were you leading on to the point of whether you thought he was the right profile for for Liverpool? No, I think my thing was more 
I, I just tend to rule out these players when they come on the scene purely because of price and because of competition for the player. Um, so I, I, I see the I see the player's name. I see heavy links to Chelsea, Real Madrid, uh, Manchester United, Bayern Munich. And I just think, no, I just think Liverpool will go a little bit more under the radar, get a player who's going to cost half the amount. But then when the link emerged, I, I did think about it and thought, hang on a minute. <laughs> I thought Liverpool quite clearly need investments in, in midfield. I think more than anything else. Um, and it's probably a case of now you can probably put a fair bit of money into your midfield now because, uh, you know, we went a few seasons on, on, on what we've currently got. We did lose Wijnaldum. I know that we, we kind of replaced him with Thiago, but Thiago was not on the pitch that often. He's also, I think, 30 himself. Um, and whenever Liverpool get to this point, you know, we got to that point with the defence. We spent loads on Van Dijk. We got to that point with the goalkeeper. Spent loads on Alisson. And I don't think too many will cost as much as those players because his, his contract runs out. I think this summer he'll have two years on his contract. So that suggests that this summer you could possibly get him for a decent price. I think the only worry I'd have would be if the likes of United are going for him and they just blow it out out the water with a daft price. Kind of like Chelsea did with us with Timo Werner. Um, but that's the reason I ruled it out. But then when I actually looked at the player, it just made tons of sense, I, I thought. Um, because if, if, you, if you used to look at what Liverpool have lacked this season, the reason maybe Liverpool aren't going to win the league, I would look at not good enough defensively and not enough control in the midfield relating to the defence. I think the actual back five is fine. Well, the back six, really, including Fabinho, I think is fine. Um, but I, th- I don't think they've had enough protection. So if you look at what too many offers, he'd offer new midfielder, ever-present, defensive, defensively elite. So I think if you look at it from an analytics perspective, which is perhaps what Liverpool have done, he is kind of the answer on his own, really, isn't he, when you think about it? Yeah, he is. Um you know, from a profile point of view, definitely. It's, um, I can see you can say a little bit about when other clubs get involved, it becomes a little bit more messy, but I don't know, you know, it feels like, you know, we're not talking about an Erling Haaland, are we? We're, we're not talking about a player who's um, kind of got the whole of Europe watching him. Um, I have no doubt he'll be on the um, on the radar from top clubs. Um, well, you've, you mentioned a couple, actually, Chelsea, Real Madrid, you know, a few have been interested. But there, there's a part of me that thinks Liverpool would, would have more success against those clubs for a player like him, as opposed to maybe like a, you know, like a Werner or I'll use Haaland as the example again, you know, a kind of out and out forward where uh, a lot of fans are kind of really excited about. So I think midfielders can drift under the radar a little bit more, but... Um, I could I, I could see it happening, you know. Liverpool have obviously recruited from there before. Um, Fabinho come from from there, didn't he? You know that's where they yeah. brought him in from, and obviously he proved to be a success. He could be as well. Um, the only thing I'm just thinking now, you know, based on what we were just saying about him, how do you think that would uh, change 
Liverpool's kind of midfield structure, or do you kind of see him going as like a like an eight or something? Because obviously at the moment he's a he's more of a uh, plays in like a double pivot pretty much most of the time, doesn't he? Um, yeah. Do you do you see a change in Liverpool starting eleven if he come in? I'm not too sure on that one. Um, he's currently very much in the mould of Fabinho and what Fabinho was doing at Monaco when Liverpool signed him. He was part of a double pivot. And he was, I suppose, the more defensive of the of the two at the time. I think with Barrioco, um, too many is is part of the two as well. Um, and if, if Liverpool sign him, I don't think he'd come in and and remove Fabinho with the team's number six. So I think if he did sign, he would either change Liverpool's midfield make up to a two, and Liverpool maybe move towards a four two three one, or he would. Be Wine Album's long term replacement as a as the left side of number eight, because um, Wine Album more often than not, and all this goes against his reputation. But Wine Album more often than not did not get forward. He, he didn't get into the box and, and things like that. That was a situational tactic with Wine Album. More often than not, he stayed behind the ball, uh, stopped counter attacks, provided kind of like a balance to the team. Offered protection and, and basically let others shine. Uh, so I think Chua Many has has the a well rounded skill set enough to, to do that personally. Um, and I feel like we've been tipping Liverpool to potentially switch towards a four two three one for years, but it just doesn't seem to be happening. Um, no. I mean, I suppose this could offer it, but at the same time, you where, where then would say another way with Henderson play and, and Harvey Elliott. Harvey Elliott's quite clearly an eight in, in Klopp's mind. Mm. Um, so I'm not sure. I think I see Liverpool staying in the 43 and too many playing on the left if he, if he arrived. Yeah, 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 you're probably right. Uh, but I suppose it just adds a little bit more versatility to the way you can set up. And the thing is, you know, 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1, they're not actually a million miles away from, from each other in terms of, you know, where profiles line up and things that they're fairly similar. Um, but yeah, I, I just wonder if, if, if when he first come in, if you will, will kind of be looking at the opportunity to go a little bit more of that four, two, three, one, and then having that extra, extra play forward, maybe, um, there's, there's options there. And, you know, that isn't necessarily a bad thing, is it? Because, uh, it's very rare, you know, especially for the pool play so often that you kind of have your elite, players available every single week without the need to make the odd um, change or adjustment. So I think having that option to go to uh, bringing them in alongside being able to be a, an asset initially. And then obviously you're thinking long term, uh, maybe a, a replacement. Yeah, because I do, I do think this season Liverpool have kind of been a little bit overload in terms of all out attack, like just relentless attacking. Um and I think it's it's kind of got a little bit too much at times. And Liverpool have suffered a little bit. Um, I think City get a tiny bit more balanced than Liverpool. And I think bringing in too many, yeah. although he's although he's not um, particularly at nature, in 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 his, in his nature to be a very attacking. I think Liverpool can can do with that balance at the minute. Um, and if you look at his numbers, as I said, he's he is defensively elite. Um, I sent a newsletter out on that last week. Those who signed up will already be aware of this, but I'm just going to have a look at the numbers. So last season in Europe's top five leagues, um, 
players who, well, no, I didn't even I didn't even use this actually. I did totals, so just not no pay ninety stuff. I did just pure totals, and too many was top of Europe's top five leagues for tackles and interceptions combined, um, with a total of two hundred and six. Uh, he was joint joint top with somebody else, um, and. Roughly near the top as well. You've got players like Eves Basuma and um, Declan Rice and, and players like that. And the reason I didn't use pay and entry numbers, I used totals, is because the reason we use pay and entry numbers usually is so that players don't benefit from playing too many minutes. But in this case, considering Liverpool's issues this season, they have played, they, they have uh, struggled when it comes to getting players on the pitch. So I thought, with too many. I'll I'll do it as totals because it proves he's on the pitch all the time, um, and I look at his defensive numbers and his defensive numbers. They can be defensive numbers can be a little bit unreliable at times and and things like that. But I think just on, on the basics, he looks absolute. You know, ninety ninth percentile basically. Yeah, sorry, mate. I was just smiling to myself throughout <laughs> the whole thing because uh, apologies to anyone who's listening and not watching, but. I disappeared as Josh was talking into the sunshine that was coming through my window. Um, I was talking I was to a silhouette there for a little yeah. <laughs> I was going to say stop the recording, but I thought, you know what, it's, it's, it's something to make people laugh, isn't it? But uh, yeah, I was trying to casually pull the blinds down while I'm nodding along to what you were saying there. So uh, <laughs> I think I've sorted it anyway, but yeah, it tickled me that. But sorry, going back to the point, yeah, look, he, look, he looks really strong, you know, in a... And he looks really strong for them. Uh, I think he's definitely his future is going to lie away from from Monaco. You touched on that kind of um, coming up to that that two year window. You know when contracts due due to expire in two years, and that's where I imagine you know Monaco officials will start be sounding sounding out his officials to be like, look, you know, obviously there's going to be an extension coming. Uh, if he if he's not going to sign it, then we probably need to know so we can we can make some money on him. So. You know, we're talking a play who theoretically could be um, available as soon as this summer. Uh, I think that would be a really good time for Liverpool to get him in based on what we've seen this season. Yeah, just a little bit more on his availability. He um, he did start 36 of Monaco's 38 uh, League One matches last season, which obviously bodes well in terms of Liverpool's current issues. Um, and so far this season, he's featured in every single league game except the one which he was suspended because of too many yellow cards. And recently, he actually captained Monaco. Um, it was only one, a one-off game, so I'm not exactly sure what happened with that. But the fact he's being captained at the age of 21 does offer an insight into his character. Obviously, Liverpool focus a lot on that. But rightly so as well. Um, so I do think he he seems to make a lot of sense. And as I said initially, I was a bit like no chance. But then once once I thought more to, more about it, and I just thought you know if he's Liverpool's top man, if he's Liverpool's main target, and he's let he's let too many know and things like that, maybe Liverpool will get him, and maybe we'll get him for a a reasonable price of I don't know 40, 40 50 million potentially. Um, but as an individual player. He does seem highly suited to, to solving, in my opinion, exactly what Liverpool have suffered from this season. Yeah, I'd agree, to be honest. Um, there's actually not much more I can say on that. I do agree. I think if you're looking for the profile, young, uh, really strong on both 
both areas of the game and you know what is a kind of pivotal area of the pitch a really con- congested area and to be able to break down opposition attacks really well and then kind of you know i don't we haven't touched on it that much but technically he is he, he is strong josh isn't he you know he, he he can kind of not only break break opposition attacks down but he can launch them the other way um so he's a, he's a player to really like i guess that again just to repeat the only worry would be you know um if potentially other clubs being interested that could be enough to put Liverpool off if they didn't want to get into some sort of bidding more. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. One question I do have for you, Dave, is obviously in comparison to some other midfielders Liverpool have been linked with, namely, you know, I suggested Jordi Tillemans fairly recently. Um, there's plenty of calls for Jude Bellingham. In Chumeni's case, I think he's got bags of potential equally easily the same amongst the potential as, as those two in my opinion i mean bellingham's maybe slightly slightly higher but um i think it's interesting that liverpool have been linked with two many rather than bellingham um because if you look at what I, again go back to what liverpool have suffered from this season specifically in my opinion has been on the defensive side and then has been in midfield too many, in my opinion, slightly addresses that more so than Bellingham, who, in my opinion, is a bit more offensive. And I said before, Liverpool have been a bit overload this season. So, and Bellingham has a, another year on his contract in comparison to too many. So, I don't think I don't think it's it's necessarily a fight that Liverpool are, are making a decision between. But in comparison between the two, do you think Liverpool would be right to go for for too many, especially considering what they've suffered from this season? I think based on the um, on the environment Liverpool is at the moment, um, yeah, probably. I also think there's a wider problem with Bellingham in that you know he is so highly sought after. Understandable why, because he's you know he's a kind of an elite teenager. Um, I, I think I think with Bellingham, there's always going to be a little bit of baggage. And just to be clear, I don't think as a result of his own actions or behaviours or anything like that. I just feel like, um, you know, being young, English, kind of a bit of a prodigy. You know, I think there's always going to be that spotlight on him. Um, I think he probably is suited to playing a little bit more of an expansive game. You know, just these little things. And I think for that reason, Liverpool may prefer to not go there uh, and instead go down this route instead. You know, it it is just my opinion, just a guess. It's, It's hard to say, isn't it? But I think there would be some logic behind that decision. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be an interesting one to see if it develops, if it develops towards the start of the summer and things like that. But if Liverpool are going to sign that player, I'd expect us to find out about it well before the summer, to be honest. Um, similar to Canate and the way I remember Fabinho, I think, was bought something like the day after the Champions League final a few years ago. And I think if this one was to happen, I think Liverpool would get him in pretty early. Um, but in terms of the next talking point, mate, we're going to touch on again, because <laughs> he seems to be, you know, more and more quotes coming out about it lately. Another little chat about Salah's contract. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a bit of a minefield. We're going to have to be careful. But have you got any thoughts, any new thoughts on on you know some of the comments that have been made, and has your uh, expectation that a deal will happen changed? You know, where are you currently at regarding whether it'll happen or not. So if I um, if I had to put it on a kind of um, you know spectrum or 
kind of a gauge, something like that. I can't think of the right term. I'd probably go with the 60 40 at this present moment in favor of him not signing a deal. Um, which you know probably won't make many happy but I don't don't know I just find some of the quotes strange and I think it's really difficult because it is in many ways a bit of a game isn't it you know it's a bit of a a game of words and it's a negotiation so you know it's it's not it's not playing your full hand keeping cards close to your chest to get all that but the, just some of the things he says uh, recently, you know, we're mainly talking about this, aren't we, because of the interview that come out in GQ um, or is coming out in the February edition. That's right, isn't it, Josh? Yeah, alongside yeah. the Klopp's comments as well, saying like there's nothing to worry about and things like that. And, mm-hmm. mm. <laughs> so... I, for me, I just think, I, I know it, there's a lot of moving parts in these deals. I know it's very messy, but I think there's also an element of, uh, I'm really quite, quite careful to say this, but there's also an element for me of, <laughs> you know, just you, if you really want the deal and you really want to stay, then you just stay. And I I, I appreciate that he's trying to get his value and he, he sees the best players in the world on, on X and he believes he should then be on that X figure. But, I don't know if you if you're really saying how much you love the club, you want to stay, etc. Then you just sign and you, you sign, and that that that's it. I know it's really messy. I'm not naive. I get there's a lot too, but I'm just making the point that if you really, really wanted to stay, you, you could stay. There's clearly an offer on the table there, but it's just deemed that for whatever reason, he and his representatives want more, or they they won't sign. Well, that's one of the reasons why I have a bit of hope that it might happen. Um, purely because if you if you look at it really, Liverpool seems to want it to happen. Salah seems to want it to happen, and you know I think Liverpool are actually in a very very strong position regarding this because before addressing Salah's contract, Liverpool went and tied down basically everybody else. You know Trent, Allison, Fabinho, Van Dijk, they all agreed to stay. And they all, they all, none of them asked for, for you know, above two fifty a week. I think um, so. Salah's well aware of that. And then, in addition to that, there's kind of no way for them to go really. Um, Bayern Munich and Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona. Uh, I don't think will will entertain Salah personally. Um, I think. Real Madrid in particular, I'm more interested in Kylian Mbappe. Um, and I don't, I, I just can't see him at Barcelona for whatever reason. I don't think they can afford him anyway. Uh, Bayern Munich don't tend to do deals like this. I don't think he would go to an English rival. So it, it leaves PSG. PSG is it. And considering what Salah is, you know, interested in playing for the biggest honours and things like that, I'm not sure Salah would have too much of an interest in playing in League One. Um, maybe maybe I'm wrong there, but I think considering all that, I do think Liverpool are in a really strong position regarding it. And um, you said there that if Salah wants it to happen, it it, it kind of can just happen. And I, I would not be surprised if Liverpool kind of put on a bit of a poker face and just I don't know if waited out is the right way of putting it, but. You know, put it out there that like, listen, you can stay, 
you you can absolutely stay, but we we can't pay you that amount that you're asking for. But you have every reason to stay, and where you're going to go if you don't type type thing. Um, I'm not sure what you think about that one. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the the club's position probably gets stronger the time it goes on. You know, again, guesswork, but I probably imagine that representatives are maybe feeling out other other clubs across Europe. You know, the big names and as you said there, who who actually signs them? You know, we know the uh, just for convenience, we're calling it El Clasico. Uh, classical two, well, you know, we know they probably can't. Uh, as you said, Bayern don't really do that. Don't think they'd be interested in that. Bayern's recruitment is is really good. Uh, I don't think they can't think of many examples of Bayern buying a uh, a player really at the very very peak of his game across Europe. You know, I'm thinking like I know they've took the likes of Lewandowski off Dortmund and things, but I can't think of Bayern really really doing that. Um, Correct me if you're maybe robbing or someone, but it doesn't feel I mean, I don't know if Sane is that his, I mean, how old Sane? Sane went there at age 24 or something, so I don't think yeah, he would be in the same felt, bracket as Sane. Yeah, he, he still felt a little bit younger, didn't he, with like his best years to come and things. So, yeah, yeah so it is only PSG uh, who can certainly afford it. Uh, at PSG will always struggle because... Even though it, it's probably a little bit unfair at times, Liga doesn't have the same appeal, you know, as as like a Premier League or La Liga. So it basically just be to win the Champions League, which I'm sure he wants to win a few more times. But he has he has done it. It's not as if it's the one thing missing off his uh, his kind of trophy cabinet. So I think the, the, what I'm saying is basically as the months go on and maybe the options begin to dwindle, there is a chance I think that his representatives think. Okay, well, it actually, we haven't really got the pick of Europe that we thought, and and maybe we are just better staying, uh, you know, here. And I, I do expect Liverpool will probably increase at that stage just to get the deal done, and and maybe it gets done. Um, I don't know. It's still hard. I'm still, I'm still weirdly, I don't know why it's sixty forty. Maybe that doesn't, but it wouldn't surprise me if if it did, which is why I'm not committing any further than than a little sixty forty split. Yeah, like, you know, on Liverpool's strong hand, um, I think Sam, Sam Wallace did a piece recently in the Telegraph and one of the lines from it was, Salah is running out of ways to convince Liverpool to pay him the price that he believes he deserves. And I think people, certainly on Twitter, seem to interpret that the wrong way, I think. People interpreted that as like, I mean, the, the FSG really needs to be convinced that Salah's a good player. That that that's That's not... I think what he was getting at, I think it was more a case of he's running out of ways to convince Liverpool to pay him daft amounts. Well, not not necessarily daft amounts in the in the European context, but in the Liverpool context, he would he, he's kind of asking for double what all his teammates are on. Um, and I don't think Liverpool are in as much of a tricky position to just kind of you know roll over and pay him. I, I think they are in a very strong position. Salah doesn't really have many other options to kind of flirt with as a means of making Liverpool a bit fearful of losing them type thing. Um, so I think I, just on that point, Josh, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was going to say on that point, I, I think 10 years ago, we, this would have been a different thing. You know, if we were here 10 years ago, even if Liverpool were as good as they are now, I think the market was different then. Um, you know, we think of the way 
Real Madrid coming and took Ronaldo from United, which I think has got more parallels than maybe any more recent transfers. You know, Ronaldo was at the top of his game. You know, cost a lot of money to get him. Real Madrid still come in and took him. You know, I think if it was if we were in that uh, environment now or that market, then yeah, yeah I'd, I'd say Liverpool a little bit more vulnerable. But it's just changed so much over the last three or four years. Yeah, I mean, as far as, far as I'm away. Liverpool's highest earner is on about two twenty a week, um, and I think you know reports suggest that Salah's asking for four. Um, now, I am pretty confident now in saying that Liverpool will not pay him that. I don't think Liverpool will pay him that. So if he, if he's going to stick with that, if, he, if if that's his price, that's his value, that's what he thinks he's worth. Fine, you know, I, I don't disagree in the European context. You know, players like Jen Sancho are on about 350 at United. I think Salah is deserving of that, no doubt. But at Liverpool, the club will not pay him that. And he must know the club are not going to pay him double Van Dijk, Fabinho, Trent, Alisson, Robertson. You know, you've got, you've got world class players all over Liverpool. Um, and I don't doubt that Salah. Is probably the best of them, but your Salah's not, in my opinion, twice as valuable as Van Dijk. <laughs> He's just not, you know, not in my opinion anyway. Maybe I don't know. Is that a conservation opinion, mate? Or well, you'll, I'm sure people will tell you soon after the show goes out, mate. Um, yeah, but <laughs> I see the point you're making. I think attackers always have a little bit more uh, yeah, value yeah. in the eyes of people, don't people? In the context of this team, if you look at the difference Van Dijk and Allison made, even when Salah was at the team, the difference they made in terms of turning Liverpool into, you know, an actual team that team of winners, basically, then I think your point's spot on. Yeah. yeah. I just think uh, you know, what you, you mentioned about 60-40 there. I think for me, I am absolute split. I am absolute bang 50-50 at the minute. Um and the main reason I doubt it is because of his reported request for 400 grand a week. As I said, I think he's worth it in a European context. But at Liverpool, he's not going to get that. He really is not going to get it. Um, and if he's really, really stubborn with it, I don't think a deal will happen. If he comes down to 300, maybe a bit different. But uh, And I think Liverpool's strength, Liverpool's hand in this moment, is I think the club probably hopeful that he will come down a bit. Um but it's an insistent one, it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out. Um it's one to watch mate. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think this'll rumble on this one, sadly. Well, just out of interest before we move on. I mean, I'm opening up a little uh a, a grenade here, I think, but before we move on, if in the summer he hasn't yet agreed a new deal. PSG lose Mbappe and to replace Mbappe they come to Liverpool and offer 100 million what are you doing? Uh, I am personally selling at that moment because uh, I think you only have to look at what's happened at United with Pogba you know Pogba was potentially uh, maybe not 100 million but what do you reckon Pogba could have went for Josh a year or two ago? Uh, probably what United paid, maybe. 
for him. So like, what was that? Around 80, potentially 50 to 80 or something like that. Yeah. So you could have got that. And United are going to lose Pogba definitely this summer for nothing. Uh, and I, I don't think Salah would sign a contract in those final 12 months. It's it's even in these next six months. So I think not, not going to happen. Yeah. Well, mean, what would you do? Um, I do think usually... When once a player enters his final twelve months, you don't usually see deals happen that often. Um, so it would depend on what Liverpool can do with the money and things like that. Like obviously, the final year that Wijnaldum had at Liverpool, um, Liverpool deemed him to just be worth keeping and letting go for free rather than cashing in on. Him. But I think if if a hundred million bid comes in for a player who's going to leave for free in twelve months, as good as he is. You know, you, you, Liverpool probably have to consider what he can do with that money, um, which is probably a lot. Mm. But I don't know. As I said, it's going to be a really interesting one to see what how it plays out, and I'm sure this won't be the last conversation we have about it. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. Yes, yeah, just moving forward, then looking ahead to the weekend because we are still going to talk about upcoming games, of course. Liverpool have Crystal Palace in the second Premier League game that Liverpool have played in a row without Mane and Salah on the pitch. Um, and I think from a Palace perspective, I just think it's quite apt, maybe at the time, that Palace represents a club at the minute that did undergo a overhaul in the summer. And he kind of did it in one summer, really. You know, if you look at the players that he lost, I was looking before he lost... Van Arnold, Townsend, Saho, McCarthy, Cahill, Scott Dan, um, Wayne Hennessy in goal. All of them, of course, left on a free. So a little tiny bit different to the situation at Liverpool. But they then brought in players like Mark Gehi, um Anderson, Edward, Elise, Will Hughes. And he kind of did undergo... A, a real change up, a real freshening up over the course of one summer window. And I think obviously there's been a lot of pressure on Liverpool, particularly during the pandemic, to, to freshen things up. Liverpool have waited. But I think this could be the summer where Liverpool maybe do it. And uh, I think Palace, you know, our opponents this weekend offer a bit of an insight into how to do it, really. Not that Liverpool should be taking inspiration from, from Palace necessarily, but I do think they, they navigated it quite well. Yeah, but why not? You know, why not? It's not as if you're saying you base your model on Palace, but why not take inspiration from a club who's done something quite well? You know, I mean, let's have a look at it. 2019-20, average age for the season, you know, theirs was the oldest in the league, 31.3. Come down slightly to 30.2, but still the oldest in the league as of last season. You know, this season there's now you know five teams who've got an an, an older average age, and theirs is about twenty seven or something. So, you know, they've done really well in terms of um, bringing it down. Uh, specifically this year, I thought they were recruited really well, um, some really exciting players, and you know they were actually really unlucky, weren't they, Josh, with those injuries at the start of the season? Um, Eze was one, wasn't he? He obviously picked up a big one, and. Um, Thingy from Reading as well. I'm sure he picked up an injury, didn't he? Um, Please. Yeah, yeah, he did, didn't he? I'm not making that up. Uh, I think he might have, yeah. I'm not sure. I know he's been yeah. playing, playing more of a part lately, though. 
Yeah, well, either way, you know, they quite recruited really well. A little bit unlucky with some of the more marquee signings, but they've, uh, yeah, they, you know, they've done really well. And, and uh, as I said, you know, I think maybe you can look at them and think that, that that's a little bit how you, how you do it. Uh, obviously, Liverpool are, are operating a higher level to be at targets and better players. Um, but, you know, hats off to Palace, they've done well. Not to, just terms of recruitment, but they've also brought in a pretty... Um, a coach with a more kind of modern philosophy in Vieira, who's who's done fairly well. Yeah, I mean, just just going through those players that I've just mentioned before, in terms of uh, Gregi, Anderson, Edward, Elise, and Hughes. So you've got aged 26, 19, 23, 25, and 21. Um, and I suppose you could throw in Conor Gallagher in there as well on loan, aged 21. So Palace really freshened up this summer um, and you got rid of loads of players who've kind of been around there for ages. And If you look at Liverpool's squad at the minute, I think we do have a few of those players who've kind of, I suppose, been there, done it on field, uh, they've probably hit the ceiling type thing. So I think Milner's contract expires at the end of the summer. Um, you have Firmino's contract expiring at the end of next season. Mane, I think, is contact expired at the end of next season. Um, you've got players floating about the squad, such as Oxlade-Chamberlain, Naby Keita, I think is... I'm not sure how Liverpool will will navigate his future, basically. Uh, Mina Mino, I'm not sure about about what the club will do with him. Arigi. So I do think there's, there's a big option for Liverpool to really attack this summer, like they did a few years ago, when they signed... I think Fabinho and Allison and Shaqiri in the same summer. I think Liverpool might might do another one of them um, this time around, and it's going to be interesting to see to see how the club navigates and how, how much they spend and and who who stays and who goes type thing. Because obviously we've just been speaking a lot about Salah and his contract, but because of Salah's contract situation, no one's really talking about the fact that that Mane and Firmino both haven't had an offer yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're both due to leave in 18 months. Um, and if Salah doesn't sign, you could potentially have the whole front three leaving at the same time. Um, unless there's a way of getting around. Mm, yeah. How, um, how many of them do you think they'll look to replace? So you said, so the reason I asked, so I look at, say, Jota coming in, and you think, well, probably Amane replacements. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Your man, replacement, so you're all right there. Um, well, I, I think Liverpool are going to keep the 4 3 3 personally, and I think the plan moving forward is going to be for Jota to play in as Mane, Salah to stay as Salah, and a, a more goal orientated version of Firmino to play through the middle. So, say for example, Salah on the right. Jota on the left and say a Jonathan David to the middle. I think that's kind of like Liverpool's plan for the next attack. I know Jota's played through the middle mostly since he arrived, but I do think Jota will move out to be a bit more of a wide forward. Hmm. I think Liverpool will sign, you know, a striker type, um, although they are kind of hard to identify, to be honest. But I think that's Liverpool's plan for the next attack. Um but it's it's obviously very open as to whether that will happen because Salah has to sign and Liverpool have to get the targets and I think Liverpool are open really as to 
And so what happens there, because if Salah's not signing, you then have to get in a left-footed forward, really. Um, such as Rafinha, maybe. Such as Jared Bowen, maybe. Whereas if Salah stays, I think you can probably rule out Rafinha. Mm. Um, so it's, it's really interesting as to what will happen moving forward, because it, it feels like a very fluid situation. I wonder how much is in the bank as well. <laughs> you know, and how much the how big the kitty is. Well, it's positions, isn't it? Yeah, but I, I really do think that Liverpool, over the course of the pandemic, have been more than any other club concerned about the pandemic to the extent that now, kind of moving out of it, I do think Liverpool will have, you know, cash reserves there to use. But then at the yeah. same time, Liverpool's business has always kind of been: we sell what we earn. We sell what we make in the in the transfer market in terms of sales. So we we buy what we uh, what we sell. Um, so I'm not sure how many how much deadwood maybe that Liverpool will be able to get rid of and the funds Liverpool will be able to make. That's why the whole seller question before 100 million PSG. It has to be a question because in, in terms of reinvestment, we know how good Liverpool have reinvested funds in the past in terms of Phil Coutinho and stuff. So it's a as I said, it's a it's an interesting one. And the thing on the thing on Salah as well, right? That we didn't really touch on, and nobody really wants to kind of acknowledge it because he's he's like so much, and he's he's probably at his very best right now. You know, he's at his absolute peak, but it's it still doesn't change the fact that you know he is thirty in the summer as well. You know, it, that that that's a reality and. You say you pull him in the brackets of your Messi's, Ronaldo's, who go on and continue to perform at elite levels, you know, into the early 30s. But not even they, even the very best, it wasn't as straightforward as them just ticking over season after season. Season, sorry, you know, adjustments had to be made. Uh, if you look at Ronaldo, the way he changed from being a kind of wide attacker to basically just a an out and out goal scorer through the middle. You know, Barcelona had to make a ton of allowances to for Messi, uh, predominantly, you know, not really giving them any responsibility without the ball. You know, it isn't straightforward to keep those very top players uh, at the very best without all these kind of infrastructures behind them when they get on the wrong side of 30. Well, that's that's a good point because what the points I've just made in terms of uh, you know Liverpool's next attack, I wrote a piece fairly recently actually um, saying that the situation is so fluid that I think no matter what Jota ends up on in the Mane role, I think that's that's a given. But I think if Salah stays, obviously you have to consider that he's getting on now. He's maybe less suited to getting up and down the flanks all day, so. Potentially, Salah becomes the Firmino replacement through the middle, mm. and maybe Salah maybe Salah spends the majority of his next contract as a striker for Liverpool, and then maybe you can look at getting Rafinha in because then you need that left-footed wide player. Mm. Um, then Rafinha would make sense, and, and Bowen would make sense. So, in a situation like that, if that's the plan for Salah moving forward, you almost have a coin flip as to whether you go and sign a Jonathan David type who's going to play through the middle and put Salah on the right or a Rafinha type who's going to play in Salah's role and Salah's going to move into the middle. So, again, it's just a super fluid situation and we're talking, it's total guesswork really, isn't it? But 
I suppose these are the uh, these are the um, conversations Liverpool have to have behind the scenes. Mm, yeah, definitely. So yeah, I think we'll round up there. Um, keeping with the theme of, of the new season. So do let us know what you think of maybe the new uh, the new setup or whatever. Uh, hopefully enjoy it. Dave, thanks for joining us, mate. Yeah, thank you, mate. And cheers, everyone. Yeah, and we will be back next week to talk about more interesting Liverpool talking points. And if there's bigger games coming up, I know the Champions League's on the verge of a turn. We'll spend a bit more time actually previewing them. But yeah, uh, we'll see you next week. And thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.